you like spooky movies, hair-raising tales, insightful criticism, judgmental hot takes, then you're going to love Horror Business, the horror podcast on the Cinepunks Podcast Network dedicated to all things weird and spooky. My name is Leo Don. And I'm Justin Lore. And every episode, we're going to tear apart your favorite and not-so-favorite horror movies to get to the bottom of what makes these movies great, or maybe not great. Whether it's The Beyond, Prince of Darkness, or Inseminoid, we dive in on a double feature every episode, and then we talk about it. Some of our insights are great, and sometimes we just complain. So if we have to suffer through it, so do you. Horror Business, available anywhere you find fine podcast products. Greetings and salutations. My name is Justin Lore. And I am Liam O'Donnell. And you are listening to episode 65 of Our Business. Horror Business. And today we are joined by the one true God. <laughs> I was trying to come up with another clever nickname. <laughs> We're not a nickname generator yeah, yeah. here. Are, are, are we allowed to use your last name on yeah, here? Yeah, go for it, man. Hey, it's Joe Vitello from, uh, from, from such podcasts as... The horror show and the B sides with book. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for thanks for thanks for being on. This is a, this is a fucking blast. Yeah, I'm excited. It's a, a long yeah. time in the making. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's great to have on someone whose show that we uh, admired for a very long time. Someone who has been you know very communicative and friendly with us, and someone who until recently I had no idea what you looked like until we started <laughs> following on it's. You know what I mean? Like it was like yeah, I, I know Joe's voice. I know. I feel like I know who he is, and then I was like, finally got on the Instagram tip, and I'm like, oh, that's like, oh god. Like. Okay. Did you were you curi- were you curious about like? Did you have this idea in your head what he looked like? I mean, don't you find that with podcasts that you just project? You just hear someone's voice and you just project what you think they look like. I don't do that. I do. I, wow. I do. I'm with you, Liam. It's kind of like when you're reading a book and then they cast someone in yeah. the movie, and you're like, what the fuck? That's not what yeah. I thought. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't a big disconnect. I'd say the only time it's been an upsetting disconnect, and and I'm saying this because I know he'll never listen to this, is uh, Jesse Thorne from Maximum Fun, who does uh, you know, uh, Bullseye and Jordan Jesse Go and John, uh, Judge John Hodgman. He sounds nothing. When I finally saw a picture of him, I was like, no, that's not right. That's not <laughs> the right person. So it's like Wayne's World, the uh, Harry Shearer, where they, you know, there's like the, the sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so today we are going to be doing a double dose, a fucking double dose of El, Ma- El Maestro, <laughs> Lucio Fulci's City of the Living Dead and the Beyond. We are completing our, we did House by the Cemetery a long time ago. We sure did. We are now completing the trilogy backwards, I realize, because that's actually the most, House by the Cemetery was the last one that he did. Yeah, and it, uh, but is it fair for me to say it's the least... Gates of Helly of the Gates of Hell. I mean, it has Bob in it. That's pretty hellish. <laughs> <laughs> it's fair. Bob does complete the trilogy of weirdo children. Yeah. Is there any weirdo children in this no, one? Not no. in the Beyond, but in in the first one. That little girl in the Beyond's pretty weird. That's true. She yeah. Is, there's yeah. weirdo children in all three. She's very weird. So yeah, we're going to be talking Italian zombie horror. Are they even zombie movies? I mean, the Beyond is it? Sure, they are. I, I, they're always lumped in with zombie films, but I just don't think these are zombie films in in the way that what people mean by that. Yeah, they well, are they are scary satanic films in which de- the dead show up. Yes, but these dead are only interested in squishing your brains, not needing them. Yes, we'll 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 get there. Uh, 
But before we do all that, let us acknowledge that the show is brought to you by the Patreon subscribers. Patreon. People who throw their money, their hard-earned money, pointlessly at us. It's true. To help us do what we do. We are greatly, greatly grateful. We're greatly grateful. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know. Do you want another take on that one? Or? Nah, it's fine. Fuck All it. right. Let's roll with it. Uh, if you want to know how you can subscribe to us on Patreon, you can go to uh, patreon.com backslash Cinepunks. There's a button there. You can press it, and you can just give us whatever. I have student loans to pay. If you want to pay those, that'll be pretty cool, but that's not going to happen. So, I know. We need a one-time Justin's loan yeah, donation. Yeah, Stanley button. Kubrick, come back from the grave and fucking give me money. Um, <laughs> why why Stanley? <laughs> I don't know. I, I watched... My boss made me watch Lolita today. Oh, wow. Oh. So, so I've got, like, Kubrick on the brain. <laughs> I, I, I just want to say the phrase, my boss made me watch Lolita, is usually how most human resources <laughs> claims start. Well, no, well, to be fair, I was talking about uh, watching that movie Seeds. Oh, sure. And I was like, oh, it was kind of like Lolita, but, like, even darker, if that's possible. He's like, do you ever see Lolita? I was like, a long time ago. He was like, we should watch Lolita. I was like, I don't know if he's like... Yeah, just. Cue it up. It's slaughtered. We're watching the lead. I was like, God damn it, Rick. So it's just, yeah. I don't know. I feel like your work is actually pretty cool, but. I did make them $2,000 today in a single deal, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's good. Um, this episode is also brought to you by the premier screen printing company of the greater Lehigh Valley area. And I don't mean uh, Lehigh prints or whatever they're called. Don't even bring them up. They're fucking they don't bullshit. exist. We're talking about Lehigh Valley Apparel <laughs> Creations. Now, Liam, if I said to you, I need a T-shirt for my Umberto Lenzi fan club. Okay. Where would you suggest I go? Wherever uh, hell is, yes. basically. No. So, uh, so, so LVAC. Yeah. <laughs> for his employ for his employees. Yeah, Le- Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations is the not only the premier screen printer of the Lehigh Valley, but one of, in my mind, uh, the best screen printers who is in our scene, who's a part of like punk yeah. rock music that is reliable, is doing designs for some of the uh, my favorite bands, and uh, is easy to work with. Chris is, uh, well, Chris is a little uptight, but the rest of the LVAC staff... Chris is insufferable. Yeah. The rest of the LVAC staff are very supportive, very creative, very helpful. They'll work with you. They'll cut you a deal. They'll help you get your design printed. Look, we know you're doing something, and you've thought... Yo, I should have a T-shirt for this, or I should have a beer koozie for this, or I should have some sort of banana hammock for this. Yeah, he'll this do it. is where you get it printed. So, if you have, if you're a professional wrestler looking to break through and you need a shirt made, go there. If you have a podcast called The B Sides with Bud, <laughs> go there. If you are doing something, you need to go there. Physically, go there. Go there as ill prepared as possible. Yeah, don't don't have any don't ideas. have any ideas. Just walk in. And if possible, forget how to speak English just to make Chris's life a living hell and send him numerous emails on his day off because he oh, really, yeah. really likes that. Also, as you go in on your right-hand side, the second door, that's where the food is. That's the, that's the break room. You're going to want to go in there and just grab whatever snacks you can find and start eating those before you even start talking to Chris. Just he's start actually, eating them. He's actually disgusting. He has that like giant bag of like <laughs> vegan jerky. It's fucking. It's the grossest thing I've ever seen. It's fucking hideous. So, if anything we just said, for whatever reason, intrigued you, you can go to www.xlvacx.com. That's www.xlvacx.com. Do not let those X's fool you. Chris Reject, he's into punk. 
sort of. He's a poser. He likes trains. He stuff. likes trains and and having shitty face tattoos and having a top hat and hitting his dog. <laughs> um, but he's not straight edge. That's the important part. I've been to several parties now where I've provoked him into calling Liam at like two in the morning drunk. That was pretty cool. I think it's fucked no, up that I did nothing, that. Nothing is cool about that. No, especially because that was like right when Maeve was born when I was doing that. Yeah. That's fine. I'm like mad about that again. And we were like the oldest people there by like 10 years. Uh, it was really weird. You guys are weirdos. Yeah. Anyway, www.xlvacx.com. Uh, more information, Chris is in straight edge. Fuck Chris. <laughs> now, now would be the time in the show where normally I would ask Liam... Uh, a question the question that i have inside of me in my heart in my mind mm. that is it, it's the spark inside of me mm. that I, I i yearn to fan into the in an inferno of knowledge but because we have a guest today i'll ask our guest first joe yes. what have you done recently that involves horror what have i done recently that involves horror shit uh watch two fulci flicks i guess is my answer Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, I'm so usually October, you know, we like to do it big. Uh, I have a recently two year, someone that a daughter that just turned two and my son's eight months old. So it's kind of putting a hamper on uh, all my horror related stuff. So e- even mm, the movies, even that. the movies uh, that I would normally watch, it's getting slimmer and slimmer. And you can probably hear my son screaming at the top of his lungs right now. My, my wife is upstairs. He's not just, you know, laying on the floor screaming, but it certainly, sound, certainly <laughs> sounds like he is. So. I, I mean, well, I guess it just depends on who in our audience actually has children. If you have children, no part of you is like, that's unfamiliar. Like, <laughs> as soon as I heard it, I was like, oh, that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've sort of, I, I've sort of been there, but you know I've never, to the best of my knowledge, I made I'm, love to a woman. I'm <laughs> as I've as I've said on Facebook, Liam, I've kissed several women in my decades on Earth, <laughs> several dozens. Yes, no, Jesus Christ, no. <laughs> um, so that's it. Just just these two Fulci movies. That's all I've done, man. I know it's kind of lame. Uh, and and even with those two movies, I'm like, damn. Good thing the horror show ended because I've retained like nothing. <laughs> I'm so sleep deprived. Like, what did I even fucking watch these? Or I can swear on this, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah, uh, yeah it, it was tough. Like the next day, it was like a fever dream. Like, did I really watch that movie, or did I just, you know, think I did? Because I don't sleep. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they are Fulci movies, so it could have just, you know, it could have just been a fucking weird fever. <laughs> yeah, dream. Yeah, like what's the actual what's the actual line between these movies and your <laughs> dreams? I would suggest none. That's why <laughs> there is no separation there. That's why I love Fulci, and I don't even know why I love Fulci because like he puts enough out there where you know like there's a plot, but at no point in time do I truly understand what's happening or why this thing is happening during the movie. You know what I mean? Like I know what's happening cuz he, he put enough pieces there, but I don't know why like ever. So We'll get there. We'll get. <laughs> oh there. yeah, yeah. This there's I the the I will say you know uh, spoiler alert the least coherent part are the emotions. Yeah, that multiple people have emotional reactions to things that make no sense whatsoever. Also, spiders don't do Dude. what Fulci <laughs> thinks they do. They don't fucking do that. I mean, spiders is just the beginning, my man. Like, <sighs> God damn it! I was watching that movie and I was like, I wonder if anyone at any point was like, should we tell him that? You know, that's not how nature works. Look, let's just say this. How many gates of hell have you been to? Touche. Just saying. Liam. Yes. Have you done anything involving horror recently? Well, 
Uh, as you know, recently, there was a little event at the Mahoning Drive-In Theater. Yes. Called uh, Weekend of Terror. Yes, that was quite fun. I was there. Yes, you were. Uh, you actually went for both nights, so you can tell us about Night Uno, but I was there for Night Two, and uh, I got to watch Driller Killer, which is a movie I enjoy, and then it rained a lot, and then I realized I had work, so I had to leave, so I left, which is a bummer, because I wanted to see the next two movies as well, but that's how the driving works, is I go, I see a movie, and then I go, wait, why am I here, and I go home. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, it's a little. I feel you though. It's a real bummer. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a combo of like, as as Joe was discussing, parenthood, but then also I specifically had to be up early for work stuff in the morning. So it was a bit of a bummer. But you know, uh, it was great to see Driller Killer again. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, uh, Driller Killer is an Abel Ferrar movie in which a artist who we never see do heroin but you just feel the heroin and you the can whole movie. smell it <laughs> you just like you just look at him and you go that guy's on horse and then you look at the two ladies he lives with two women in what is supposed to be a a, a, a tri-fold sexual relationship only um he doesn't seem present for that no whether that's because he is too high or he's too worried about his work or whatever and mostly he just walks around being angry that uh, things are difficult for him and that other people exist. <laughs> and all of that frustration builds up and builds up uh, while he continues to not have sex with the two beautiful women he lives with. Who are all who are fucking. Act, they're actively fucking. Yeah, they're, they're fucking each other. They end up fucking other people. He just can't seem to get into it until he uh, murders someone with a drill. Holding that drill, by the way, at a weird... I don't know, how do I describe this angle? Uh, Penile? Peanut, yeah, phallic. Yeah. Yeah. So once he starts, uh, f- f- basically, um, fucking homeless men with a drill, um, <laughs> suddenly he's filled with power and authority again, and he believes in his art. Uh, only his, his art still sucks. His art still apparently sucks because it gets rejected, and then he goes on a murder spree. So, anyways, I mean, he was already murdering, but then he starts murdering more for fun and less for sexual pleasure. <laughs> I mean, uh, look. It's a movie in which the subtext of many horror films, i.e. male impotence, which I think is sort of implied in a lot of films, uh, that subtext suddenly becomes text, all too real text. Yes. Uh, the whole movie basically is 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 entirely uh, an impotence. Uh, I guess you would call it a metaphor, but uh, y- you know, it's a pretty loose metaphor. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a pretty it's a pretty on the nose metaphor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, anyways, uh, it's. It's one of those old New York gritty sort of films. It's more impressionistic and abstract than you expect a driller killer movie to be. It has a pretty awesome soundtrack, too. It has a solid soundtrack. I like it. I mean, I think there's always weird things based upon, you know, it's a New York film from 1979, I think, 78, yes. something like that. So, uh, you know, there's weird things that you're going to have to negotiate to see that, but... For me, I enjoy it. I think it's very interesting. I know it's uh, not my show, but can I ask you guys, uh, what's your favorite Abel? A, what's your favorite Abel Ferrara flick? And B, what was the Abel Ferrara flick where he was openly smoking crack during the uh, entire filming of it? So my favorite Abel Ferrara flick right now, you know, that's actually a little hard to say because I am so inclined to say Bad Lieutenant. That's just sort of like, for me, kind of a classic of his. But... um, what was the name of his kind of like vampire movie? I think it's like Addiction. It is Addiction. Like yeah, yeah. I, I, 
I really like addiction too. Uh, but then if I'm going with nostalgia, I grew up with King of New York. I've seen King of New York a bajillion times, like so many times. And so it's kind of hard for me to decide between those. Yeah, I don't know. I I guess I'm going to go with addiction. And 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 again, there's still a ton of things like I've seen um I've seen a uh, City of Fear. Uh I've seen I own Miss 45. Uh but there's a bunch of stuff then later on that I haven't seen that I hear is also very important that I should see. So I just haven't gotten as deep as I probably should have. As far as the crack thing, I don't know which one it is, but I know that there were a few. In fact, a uh, friend of the show, Jacob Knight, tweeted just the other day that the fun thing with any Abel Ferrara is to try to figure out how much crack he was smoking <laughs> while he was making the film. Yeah, I admittedly, I think I've only ever, I think I've only seen this and Bad Lieutenant. Really, that's it. Yeah, I mean, I, I unfortunately haven't seen. Um, I had to check to see if Suze was here because I don't want to say this in front of her. I have not seen Nine Lies of a Wet Pussy. I hear it's very good. I'm sure it's not bad. I think it just got. It's did, probably I think not it boring. Just got re-released. Actually. It did just get re-released. Um, but, you know, is that? A, I think it's probably Vinegar Syndrome. I'm assuming. But oh yeah, I, I was going to say it's. Yeah, um, I, I've never seen. I've never seen it either. Actually, I just wanted. Oh to... no 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 no! Uh, I didn't realize he did 444 the Last Day on Earth. Oh yeah 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 yeah. I really like that movie. Yeah yeah. I mean, like I said, what I've seen of his, I very much enjoy, but I need to spend more time diving in. Yes. Yeah. So have you done anything else? Wait, real quick. What's your favorite Abel Ferrara? Mine is uh, King of New York, but I'm really part... I, like, I don't think this is a popular opinion, but I also really enjoy his Body Snatchers movie. I think it was also just the time that I've seen it, but I liked his uh, his. I style. agree. Yeah, I thought that, I thought his body snatchers was interesting as well. And of course, his uh, iced tea staple are Xmas. I'm just I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So no, nobody. I, act- <laughs> I was gonna say I've actually never seen it, but I've been told I should yeah, not. So. That's terrible. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Weekend of Terror. Um, I've obviously been doing a lot of like editing stuff for Cineween and yes. that sort of thing. But as far as going to see any movies, I haven't. And stuff at home, just like Joe, mostly just the movies for this. I felt like there was one other scary thing I watched, and now I don't remember what it was. Yeah, I think that's just—I think it's just stuff for this. Like I said, I was glad I got out for Weekend of Terror, but um, as far as starting my, you know, I'm one of those corn balls that tries to get more horror in during October than other times, which is I get it's corny, especially for someone who is on a horror podcast. So I watch horror movies all year long, but you know, I think of October as a time to either watch my favorites, like my favorite favorites, like comfort food favorites. Or to find, to like, push myself to find something I haven't seen before, like whatsoever. I just haven't had the time. It's been a really stressful season, so I'm trying to get caught up, and I'm hoping this weekend to at least get a couple movies in. But we'll see what happens. Good. How about you, Justin? I, in addition to, so the first night of Weekend at Terror, they did Maniac, which is fucking awesome. Especially knowing uh, when we went and saw Maniac Cop. With uh, William Luster there, or Lustig there, and you know the one question was, "Do you have any crazy Joe Spinell stories?" And then he spent the entire Q and A telling crazy Joe Spinell <laughs> stories, sure, all of about him on the set of Maniac, watching that movie and knowing the copious amounts of cocaine that Joe sure. Spinell was blowing the entire time made that movie just that much more enjoyable. Yeah. Also, uh, I saw it with uh, Chris Reject and his wife, and they had never seen it before, so we're like watching it, and the scene, like that scene where. Uh, he kills Tom Zavini. Yeah, Nicole was just like, "Holy shit!" She's like, "Oh, oh, that's right. She's she's never seen this before." 
And uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, that that's a, that's an insane movie. And seeing it on 35 millimeter was, was a lot of fun. Maniac is a I'm top really 10, sad I missed that. top 10 all time for me. It's, it's so fucking good. So good. Yeah, I'm trying to decide if it's top ten for me. It, it it probably is. It's it's one of those that just like it stands out so much. It's you know what I mean. Like it, it's it's such a singular film. But I, I haven't watched it in a long time, and I still have. I got the uh, special, the most recent like special edition Blu-ray. Yeah, I just need to bust it open and watch it, and I haven't had a chance. To. Was it? Is that the one that has all the extra footage that Spinell shot yep. of him just wandering Times Square like yep. a crazy person? <laughs> yeah. Like a crazy person. <laughs> I also have been raving about, uh, I watched Marion on Netflix. Right. I wanted to watch it because you were talking about it. That show scared the fuck out of me to the point of where I was laying in bed, hugging my dog and being afraid. Like not, not many movies or shows that I watch, like really stick with me in a way where I'm like, as I'm watching them or after I finish them, I'm like, oh, that was uh that's like, it didn't. This scared me. This scared me, Liam. This scared me on a fire in the sky level to the point of where I was afraid to go to the fucking bathroom because I was like, "That's crazy." There is a witch in the hallway right now, who is going to cast a spell on me and then fucking make me hallucinate and and do evil things. This show, it's like a seven or eight episodes on Netflix. Sure, it's French, so it sounds beautiful. I, I it, it just, it's, I don't know. It just really fucked with me. I mean, I appreciate that. I was shook. I was laying in bed, holding my dog, like looking at my computer, and I was like, "Oh, I um, I can't see past the computer, so she's in the room with me." Yeah, clearly. I mean, she definitely was. Yeah. Um, but that that that's on Netflix. It's amazing. I think everyone should watch it. Uh, and then I watched. Let me get my little list out. I watched I Trap the Devil, which is great. Uh, I watched a movie called Seeds, which. I wrote a review. It's on Cinepunks if you guys want to check it out. It made me want to take a shower afterwards and rub myself down with steel wool. Sure. Um, I watched the remake of Jacob's Ladder. How is that? Uh, you're welcome. I'm a hero of the people. Yeah. I am. I, I did it for you guys. I am. I'm the hero you all need. Uh, it's not as bad as people are making out to be. It, the 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 twist, if anything, is like uh, you know, how, like the twist in the original is like sort of like oh, it's nice because he's like reunited with his son and he's he's at peace. This one is like oh no. It's like uh, to quote to quote to quote scholar Jamie Josta. <laughs> when I wake up, the nightmare begins. Yeah, I hear that. That's sort of like the weird twist of this movie. Uh, I watched a little movie called Bliss, which was very very cool and 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 definitely sort of uh, reinforced my conviction as to never do drugs ever because that movie is about how yeah doing drugs will fuck your head up bad. I watched The Wind which has convinced me to never, ever, ever go out into flyover country ever again because clearly uh, the Dakota Plains are just infested with demons that are like ready to, you know, fuck with your head. And then the big thing that stuck with me that has been on my mind for days now and that I, I cannot shake is I watched Gaspar Noe's Climax. Now, if people want to know my thoughts on this... There's a whole Cinepunks episode about it's it. It's fuck Joe, have you have you heard about this or, or, or seen anything about uh, it? I have not seen it, but I have heard about it. Watch this movie. The ending is like the footage that we don't get to see in Event Horizon, but without Satan and without killing. <laughs> it, it, it it definitely like upset me so much that I, I had to like take a minute and yeah. um just be like, Okay, it's just a movie. 
it's cool. These people are actually doing what they're doing. And uh, I got to flip my computer upside down so I can watch it like a normal person. Yeah, for all the upside down parts. Because it looks like they're on the ceiling and I can't handle that. Yeah. Uh, but no, there, there, was, there was one dancer in there who was so beautiful that it was sort of like scary. She was like the 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 she was uh, she's one of the dancers who's doing the weird Russian dance in the beginning. I just she looked like the woman she looked like the creepy painting woman from It, but like if she was hot instead of like a abomination an abomination who was trying to eat me. Yeah, she was beautiful. Like I just I couldn't I just anytime she was on screen I was just like it just upset me. I mean the film is definitely like an experimental. I mean you know it's one shot long dance sequence after a series of interviews. Yes. And it's really feels like a film that they improvised a lot of. Yeah. And in fact, the interview sequence at the beginning was literally because they just didn't have enough movie to release the movie. So they did that to make it like a feature length film. Yeah. That he was just like, well, you know, there's no character development in this movie, so I guess if we do a bunch of interviews at the beginning of the film, it'll set some context for your characters. Which which was missed on me because the film's in French, and I watched it without subtitles, <laughs> and I still, I still feel that I understood what was going on as much as any you know rational human being, not dosed out of their minds on LSD could. Yeah, I mean there are some layers just in like how the characters freak out and how they turn on each other, but none of it is that important. I mean it's it's more of an emotional experience of like just losing your shit. What was your favorite part of that movie, Liam? I mean, without a doubt, the the dance sequence at the beginning is like amazing. Yes. And then it, as it unfolds, it's fine. As it, you know, I've often said, so uh, this is, I, you know, I hate to crib from myself, but what I said on Cinepunks was this. Uh, there are certain indie films where you feel like the movie is more about ideas than it is about uh, technique, you know? So uh, someone is like, has all these grand ideas about what film should be or about the world is, and then they're really struggling to make it happen because they don't have that much actual like uh, s- skill as a filmmaker. Yeah. Uh, I suspect Gaspar Noe is the exact opposite, <laughs> that he's actually a brilliant filmmaker who has mostly bad ideas. And so that the idea behind this movie literally is just like, yeah, everyone's high and they go crazy. It's great. And the only reason the movie holds up is because he's a very good, like, because he's doing his own camera work. He's doing his own, well, this movie doesn't have any editing, but or hardly any editing. Uh, but because he's he's this visual storyteller who's very good at that, that holds up what is, like, just not that much actual thought, you know? No, it's it's a very visual movie. And I know that sounds somewhat redundant, but, again, I watched the movie in French and I don't speak a word of French and I still was able to get like oh that character it, like I was telling Liam before we started recording um, oh that character's pregnant and then I was like I say, oh no Liam she was Liam confirmed she was indeed pregnant and uh, it, it's just um, it's an experience to watch like it, it's definitely stuck with me Gasper did uh, Irreversible right? Yes yep I don't even know if we're saying his name right. I think it's Gaspar or some Fuck crap. Fuck him. This is America. It's Gasper. <laughs> and I believe it's... I, I, I think Noah isn't even right. I think it's like Noe. His something. name's Gaper Noe as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I, I'm sure Adriana will listen to this and send me a, a text correcting me on how to pronounce his name. I always get it wrong and I feel bad. I don't like mispronouncing people's names. I don't want to do that. Whatever, Liam O'Doonnell. <laughs> 
Oh, you know what? You both right. actually uh, recommended Midsummer to me, and I was a little skeptical because I, 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 I did not love Hereditary. I know that's kind of like blasphemy, but uh, I loved Midsummer. I thought it was great. Yeah. Yeah, I really it's very liked good. It. Yeah, it, it, that that was a movie that I, I I wasn't nuts about it at first, but then the more I thought about it, I was like, no, I really like that yeah. movie. Good stuff. Yeah, I I I now have watched it three times, and I really really like it. I'm curious about the director's cut. I don't know if it will do much for the film per does, se. Does it have a man sucking his father's dick or something weird <laughs> like that? Like like oh, like Harry Oster loves to do? No, hopefully not. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking lunatic. People think I'm like, people like, oh man, like what else? Like, I've had like non-horror friends like ask what else that guy has done, and I'm like, go watch the strange thing about the Johnsons, but don't Wikipedia at first, just watch it, and I don't talk to those people anymore. <laughs> so, I think that's all I've done. Um, do you want to say anything about Cineween? Oh yeah, we should probably have already been talking about this. My bad. Hey y'all. So, um, all of October we do a bunch of stuff on Cinepunks.com. That's focused on uh, Halloween generally construed. So obviously there's a lot of horror content, but there's other things as well. People writing about soundtracks or uh, haunted houses or their particular experiences of various things. So um, <clears throat> I, I think it's a, a lot of fun. It is very much a chance for us to have a lot of guest writers uh, on the site, which I very much appreciate. Um, and I just think it's a time for us to like really get stoked on the site and really feature a lot of different things. So all I can say is check out cinepunks.com. If anyone listens to the show and they don't really go to the website much, which, you know, obviously you might just hear this through a podcatcher or something like that. Uh, th- this is the month to go check it out. I mean, I think we always have cool content, but this is a time to uh, see some more. And, and we're hoping that various shows will also have neat things. We're planning to do some giveaways. I got some like promo Blu-rays to give away. You got that copy of Child Eater somewhere that I, I, demi- no, I threw no, back at you for making me watch? No, no, not at all. It, these will actually be good movies? Mostly good movies. <laughs> Yo, that article about the dude, um, oh, I forget his name, I feel like such an Danny asshole. Danny Bose. Yes, his article about Event, event Horizon, that that was good. Danny, uh, Danny apparently watched Event Horizon for the first time while on an acid trip. And he had an experience. That is, and you li- should go to cinepunks.com to read it. That is literally when people are like, when people are like, so because you don't drink, like, do you ever like wish you had? And I'm like, nah, I really don't miss that at all. But then I think about like, God damn, I am kind of jealous that I'll never watch Event Horizon for the first time up to my fucking eyeballs in acid. <laughs> <laughs> Man, didn't Josh watch Doctor Strange on? And well, he he was yeah. I mean, he was just <laughs> he was just weeded up on pot, but it was like more than he should have had because Josh is this thing whenever he has an edible that he just can't keep he can't have the you know you're not supposed to have a lot of it I wouldn't know and he's always just like I, I'm gonna eat this whole thing <laughs> and then it has a bad experience so uh, you know that was during Doctor Strange yes so Cineween go to Cinepunks.com or if you follow any of us on Instagram or Twitter I post stuff all the time about it. That's probably all I post at this point. People are probably sick of it. But you know what? Fuck it, because I have nothing else going on except my dog that I post pictures of. Um, I also want to say, like, if you are interested in maybe writing something for us, let us know. Uh, It's probably by the time this comes out, midway through October. But that doesn't mean we don't have space for you to contribute your voice. I have ideas, so please give me a reason not to write them. I appreciate that. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, Lucio Fulci's 1980 film, Paranella Cita de Morte Vivente. 
which translates roughly to City of the Living Dead. Also known as... The Gates of Hell? Yeah, I think the Gates of... Or, because the Beyond is the Seven Gates of Hell? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. So we'll be right back. Close those gates. We interrupt this program to bring you a special broadcast. Dunwich police authorities have declared a state of emergency. Effective immediately within Dunwich County. All citizens are requested to return to their homes as quickly as possible. In case of necessity, contact this station. Did you see anything besides that tombstone? Oh, yes. I saw a priest. Who, by hanging himself, opened the gates of hell. Saints Day. A demanding, implacable enemy whose search for blood is never satiated. And we are back to talk about 1980's City of the Living Dead, directed by the maestro Lucio Fulci, written by Lucio Fulci and Dardano Sacchetti. Was he the guy who wrote like a lot of Fulci stuff that they had like beef later on? I think so, yeah. Yeah, he because he also had he also had beef with uh, your boy Bruno Mattei. Yep. <laughs> Who didn't have beef with Bruno Mattei? Cruel Jaws is a yep. fucking classic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so basically, this movie is about, um, I think, this movie is about how a clergyman, a priest, hangs himself in a cemetery, and then the gates of hell open. Is that 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 right there? Is that good? <laughs> so let me let me take a stab at this. Okay. 
a priest who was left to care for one of the gates of hell. Gotcha. Located in Dunwich, which apparently was built on the quote-unquote ruins of Salem, mm. kills himself, and the resulting psychic disruption alerts a psychic and detective in New York who travel to <laughs> Dunwich to investigate. Meanwhile, the citizens of Dunwich deal with all manner of hellish resurrections. Such as? as? The priest showing up and a young woman throwing up her entire internal organs. <laughs> uh, and various other dead beings uh, mysteriously appearing and squishing the back of your head. Yes. There's a lot of back of the head squishing. Uh, eventually, they find the uh, secret... Uh, tomb of the evil priest. Uh, well, he's not evil, but the now evil priest and all of his undead denizens as they are about to bring about the end of the world and they stab him with a wood thing. <laughs> Turns out that's all they had to do the whole time was stab him with some wood. That's all you need. Bada bing, bada boom. Everything's safe. But then a kid runs at them and they get scared again. Which is natural. For no reason. When your daughter walked in here a little bit ago, I was chilled <laughs> with fear. Gates of hell. So... A, a girl really does throw up her entire insane. It's, it's fucking, fucking awesome. insane. I, I want to talk about that in a, in a few minutes and how sure. that might be the greatest practical effect of all time. Sure. Joe, what was your first experience with this movie? Uh, I saw this back in the days uh, in high school. I loved it back then. I was also really, really stoned a lot back then. But uh, you know, the, <laughs> the barfing up <laughs> really stuck with me. That's the scene that I remember the most in this. So, uh, The drill scene is fucking awesome, too. Yes, yes. Very good. So this this movie, um, it's it's funny because I remember um, I was in college and I on a whim bought it was this like six pack of zombie movies from Suncoast Video, which is a now defunct video nice. chain store, and it was this Nightmare City, Hell of the Living Dead, and what the fuck else? There was there was one more movie in there, so it'll it'll come to me. Um, and this one was the only one that I watched, and I was like, oh, that wasn't a complete pile of shit, because <laughs> Nightmare City and Hell, Hell of the Living Dead are uh, difficult to get through, but there's, this, this is not. <laughs> this movie is like, I, I know it, it gets it, not like looked down upon, but there's something like really haunting about this movie. Sure. Like, especially the, the beginning and like the, the, the soundtrack and everything, when, when, when Father, uh, when the clergyman... When he hangs himself, there's something that's like, it's it's not like blatantly creepy, yeah. But do you ever get that feeling when it's like this time of year, especially where you're like, okay, like it's like spooky outside. It's like dreary. Yeah, yeah. Like this whole movie feels like that, and it's 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 super effective. And I guess uh, it's like weirdly atmospheric for for a Fulci movie in a way that most of his movies aren't. See, I would say all of his movies are atmospheric. No, but not not like this though. Like this, this is you like think this is more than the other one. This is almost like okay, if uh, if zombie is an alien sex fiend song, Jesus. this is like <laughs> like like a like a Bauhaus she's in parties. You know what I mean? Okay. Like it's just spooky. It's it's real. It's very weird. It's the greatest comparison I've ever heard. <laughs> it's just spooky. It is. <laughs> uh, and then there's this fucking scene where this girl throws her guts up, and it. The the part about that scene, sure. So basically, what happens is this girl in the sky. They're like, they're like making out, and all of a sudden, she sees this apparition of this priest, and she starts bleeding from the eyes. She starts bleeding from the eyes. That's the part that gets me. Is I I understand how they achieve the effects of her like vomiting up pig guts. It's like, 
it's tough to do, but it's doable. How do they make her bleed from the eyes? How, how do you how do you do it's that? Like that morbid angel video. I mean, they just. I think they just put. <laughs> I think they just put tubes at the sides of her eyes and cover them with her hair, and then the. When, huh. I realized I said a bunch of that nod to the microphone, so apologies. <laughs> I might. I, I might have to look that up. I'm just saying, Liam. Tell me something about this movie about you. So when I, you know, my exposure to Fulci was zombie. And so my problem with both The Beyond and City of the Living Dead, which are the two movies that you find first when you're thinking about getting into Fulci, is that they're, for some reason, both billed as zombie movies, which I guess they both have the undead in them. But neither of them are zombie movies the way that zombie, which I guess for him is really zombie two, <laughs> is... um is a direct descendant of the Romero world. Yes. These are not those, and they're their own thing. So the first time I watched this, there was immediate off-putting of like, this isn't really a zombie movie? But the imagery of it really stuck with me. Um, And since then, I've come back to it a number of times. And I think, I don't think it makes anyone a, uh, some sort of like, uh, horror edgelord to say Fulci has a mixed career. I don't think that's problematic to say. No, I think most a- people would agree like Fulci's got a lot of different stuff going on and and he spans a lot of different genres so some people who love The Beyond or love this movie might not be a fan of New York Ripper or Manhattan uh, Baby. <laughs> yeah, or Don't Torture a Duckling or Lizard and Woman's Skin or any of those films. Which comes across like I'm judging those films. I have a copy of New York Ripper right over there because I think it's very good. I love good. that movie. Uh, it's very good. Um, here's the deal, though, with this film. I think there's a number of weird things about this movie that I love, but I also think I get why people might not be stoked on them. So, A, there's something weirdly Italian about this movie. So, A, uh, Fulci never bothers to research that the town of Salem still exists <laughs> and there are no ruins upon which to build Dunwich. Second, Dunwich feels very Lovecraftian to me. Why is that? Because it's from Lovecraft. Yeah. And he doesn't care about that. That's not, there's nothing other than the word Dunwich. There is for me no Lovecraft in this movie. Yeah, no one runs out shouting racial slurs. and <laughs> right, you know. exactly. Second, the end of the world begins with a priest hanging himself. And I just want to send Fulci a note of like, other priests have hung themselves, my man. Like, I get like within the context of the movie, if you really are paying attention, you'll get like, well, it's because he specifically is connected to the gates or something. But the way the movie works, you just see a priest hang himself and you're supposed to go, all right, well, now it's the end of the world. <laughs> Fuck I guess, now. So here we go. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm, I'm, I bet. In the grand scheme of things, a bunch of priests done hung themselves. It's just the reality. This it's happened before. It can't possibly be this is what we've been waiting for. It's this one thing to happen. Uh and then there's a couple things he does that are Italian in the way that sometimes we suspect a lot of Italian movies are kind of racist. In that when when evil things are happening, 
He loves using jungle noises. We are in Dunwich. We are in New England. In fact, I would suggest that all of your, there's just something spooky about this. It's just because it's New England. This is just a New England movie. This is what New England is like. It's just legitimately New England. It is New England all the way through. And yet, whenever something scary happens, you hear, and you're like, those are toucans. That's a chimpanzee. <laughs> There's no chimpanzees in Dunwich. But for him, he's just like, well, I want them to know it's scary. Yeah, so two, two play, I'm afraid of toucans. Play, I can't walk through the noises. I see what's, a box of Fruit Loops and I have a panic attack. As an, as an Italian man, what is fearful to me? Dead priests and the jungle. I'm in New England and I, I can confirm there are jungle noises. <laughs> There are no jungle yeah. noises. I've come on. I've been to Boston before. I know there's no jungle noises. <laughs> I uh, I'm gonna blow your mind with something else about this movie that's only lightly touched upon. So yes, there is the vaguely Lovecraftian concept of Dunwich, and in the next movie, there's the vaguely Lovecraftian concept of the Book of Avon. Sure. Did you know this movie has connections to ancient astronaut theory? By what possible way? The Book of Enoch. Oh, is that ancient astronaut yes, stuff? Yes, it is. Oh, God. <laughs> I can't get away from the racist ancient astronaut theory. That, I hate it. That, that, is, that is when I first saw this movie and they start talking about like the Book of Enoch, and I was like, where are they going with this? <laughs> like, I really hope they don't invoke aliens somehow, and they don't, thankfully. But I, I mean... Ultimately, I think what it was is like uh, Fulci was like, I need some like archaic book that was like cut out of the Bible right. and then just looked and was like the book of Enoch. That sounds scary. So they're just yeah. going to evoke the book of Enoch. But it's yeah. still funny that somehow this movie inadvertently combines two of my most loved slash hated things, yeah. which are H.P. Lovecraft and ancient astronaut quote unquote theory. Right. Well, this is also, you know, uh, Fulci has a eye thing. He likes eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah he, yeah. he thinks that shots of eyes communicate a lot. This film does some of that. This is sort of like a like a like a uh, a beginning of that for him, sort of coming across almost to an a, a exaggerated degree. But what he does a lot in this is frozen faces. One of my favorite scenes is in the bar when the mirror cracks. There's such a long shot of each of their faces as they are just amazed by this broken mirror, <laughs> and especially considering that in a moment the bartender is about to be like. What are you pansies worried about? It's just a broken mirror. Doesn't even matter. Yeah. But before that, he has this look on his face of, I've seen the face of God, and it, <laughs> and it is the devil. Like, that's his face is like all three of them are just like shook. And that happens a lot in this movie. Something happens, and the camera just stops on people as they just stop and stare. And I think whatever that's meant to communicate is, I think, developed further in other films when he starts really zooming in on eyes. There's a lot of like looks and just long shots of eyes. I think there's there's some visual language he's developing there um, that I don't know what it's meant to communicate, and yet it gets under my skin. Every time he does it, it's like, it feels to me like reality has temporarily broken. Like something That's is just, the whole point. But like... It's just weird. It's a weird technique, and uh, I don't always know what to make of it. Uh, also, fire just shows up for no reason, <laughs> and then the cop goes, I, I don't buy any of this. Yo, the New York, <laughs> blue-collar New York workers in this movie are the best. Yeah. The, the, the grave diggers, they're just like, yeah, flip for it. You're going to get down there? Yeah, we're eating our sandwiches. Union hours. It's, it's like Fulci was like, what do Americans like? Hard labor and unions. <laughs> and pornography. And pornography. <laughs> Is he wrong? Yeah. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, can we talk a little bit about Bob? I don't know if you guys want to get into Bob. <sighs> Let's talk about Bob. That's the name of our book. Let's talk. Let's about talk about Bob. <laughs> What's going on with Joe? What's going on with Bob? Bob's a fucking weirdo, and I'm glad that he got fucking <laughs> impaled by a drill. <laughs> okay, all right. Yes, Bob has a, a quick inflate sex doll hidden <laughs> in an, what is clearly haunted house. Other than that, what do we actually know about Bob to then make us feel comfortable with his head drilling scene? What do we learn about Bob other than the sex doll? That's what I want to know. I don't think we learn anything about him. So, like, how do we know that he's an actual... We hear them talk about him being a creep, but, like, I don't find the citizens of Dunwich to be compelling narrators of their own experience. <laughs> of course not. They're half-fish people. Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> Joe, what, tell me about why do you think Bob is a creep who needed a head drill? I just don't like his face. <laughs> That's true. He is he is very specifically dirty. Like so, whoever was doing the makeup slash costume design for this movie, they just thought, how do we communicate that Bob is bad? We'll just have him be dirty. He's just visibly dirty. I I I, I guess I just don't understand like the narrative purpose of Bob. Sure. Because he doesn't really bring. I mean, I get it. He's he's like a red shirt. He's fodder to get fucking murdered, but. He he occupies this weird character space between, uh, like a red shirt and like an actual character that we expect to get killed. Yeah. Because y when you're watching the movie for the first time, you're like, oh, this guy is gonna play like an important an important <laughs> part, and then he fucking doesn't. Like all he does is like he gets scared by a blow up doll, which is understandable, and then he's comfortable with it way too fast, and then he just like lurks around and then gets fucking drilled. Yeah, it lurks around. He, he sees the priest hanging, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah. I don't understand like what you guys are saying. I don't understand what his purpose is in any of this or yeah. why he's there. But And, and for that, I'm glad he got drilled. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... It, I, I think that I am, I am discerning this. This is not obvious in the film. But I think the film seems to suggest that he is somehow connected to the dead priest. And that um, because there's a couple of times where he is just sort of doing his weird wandering around Bob thing and then the priest shows up, you know, mm. and so I think there's some suggestion that maybe there's a connection there. I do think that his murder, I think the film wants to sort of create a theme of like uh, with each death of someone, you know, through the influence of the priest or whatever, that we're like getting closer to a climax of evil, basically. He's getting stronger. Yeah, and so with Bob dying, it's like, uh, you know, a an unjust death. But again, no one, for the most part, no one's dialogue in this movie matters. <laughs> like, they aren't <laughs> giving you... You know, one of the biggest criticisms of any cheap genre film is that no one has conversations. They just have exposition. It's like, oh, we're just talking about important things for no reason. There's no reason for us to be talking about this right now, but I guess we'll just talk about this right now. And you know, like, okay, they just we need to know this information, and these characters only exist to tell us this information. Fulci is more like, how do I have two very important characters that should be giving us information <laughs> have a whole conversation that seems almost entirely unrelated to the matters at hand? It happens a lot in this movie. People I kinda, just talk to each other, and it doesn't make any sense. I kind of like that, though. 
what I was trying to say before. That's like Fulci's whole M.O. Like, you know what's happening. You just never know why it's happening. You know what I mean? Like, why is any of this occurring at this point? I mean, I'm, I'm not sure that he knows why other than <laughs> which stuff. Which, by the way, he never clarifies. Like, I kind of like this whole thing where no one who lives in the town is even sure that witch stuff is real. Yeah. And they can't even 100% confirm that they're on the ruins of Salem, which, you know, a quick Google search will let anyone know Salem's still there, so <laughs> that's solved. But, uh, you know, the whole idea that there's this whole underlying mythology, the, the problem, I guess the, 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 the point of unknowing is whether this is a brilliant move by Fulci to make the movie more mysterious and haunting, or if he just didn't know, he just was like, I don't know, stuff, it's the end of the I world. Hope, I hope he just like doesn't give a, enough of a fuck yeah. about this, and he's just like, eh, it doesn't matter. Like I, I, I really hope that's how it went down in his head. Cause I, I, there's something about like there's something about his style of filmmaking, and it only it literally only works with him, um, and also David Lynch, where <laughs> uh, <laughs> the human mind is comforted by patterns, right? And Fulci offers none. Just shit just happens, and you're like, well, why did that happen? And it's like, uh, nah, it's just it because it, it did. But this movie, though, I, I think we can, we're can we going to have a similar conversation when we talk about The Beyond, because I think it's a similar style of filmmaking. Yeah. This movie feels more haphazard. One of the most haphazard aspects of it for me is the uh, the musical cue, like the sort of like uh, signature cue of the movie. Oh, the Goblin song that sounds like the fuck. Yeah. yeah. It cuts in and out at times, not just that thematically don't make sense, but it's like offbeat. Like it'll just start <laughs> and then just cut off. And you're like, that wasn't, that wasn't the point. That's not the end. Why did you? I don't understand. And you're upset by it. It's weird. Yeah, it's like, but I, again, it, it's hard to say like, oh, that's intentional. When I would say the music in the beyond, not only is effective, it's brilliant. Like I think it works on just a sound cue musical level. The beyond works very well. Yeah, I, I uh, agree completely. And I think I'm, I think I'm going to make an argument that the beyond is way better than this movie in a lot of ways and then in a couple very important ways it's not one of which being a girl doesn't throw up her entire insides <laughs> you know like so in other words i think that this movie in some ways if you are a certain kind of horror fan has more staying power so matter because no matter what kind of inane nonsense is between the scenes there are like three scenes in this movie that are so over-the-top insane that they're going to stick with you. If you're the kind of horror fan that that's what you're here for, how does the Beyond hold up? Which, you know, there's a couple of intense stuff, but the girl in this one throws up all of her inside. Like, you know what I mean? Like, just, there are people right now who've never seen this movie, but they've seen the gif of the girl they know throwing it, yeah. up her insides, and they fucking know it, because it's it's well done, and, and, and weirdly well done. Like, even though I know, okay, a couple of these close-ups that's got to be a doll, mannequin, prosthetic, whatever the fuck it is, it still works. Like, you're, it's still gross and otherworldly. I mean, granted, it doesn't have to look realistic because, I mean, part of the glory of a, of a special effect like that is you're not sitting there going, I've seen someone throw up their insides before, and it doesn't look anything like that. <laughs> that is not what it looks like when someone throws up all of their insides. What, what, Joe, what do you think about that? I, I just feel like there's like three scenes, at least in this movie, that stand out in a way that you can't forget them. Yeah, I agree. And, and then you hit it right on the head. Uh, if you're a fan of that type of horror, I mean, what more do you ask for? And I am a fan of that. Like, that was why I got into horror. Like, I love over the top. I love, like, ridiculous gore. And it was just perfect. 
It's crazy. It's crazy. Um, even though, you know, I mean, the stuff in New York is kind of inconsequential in a way. Like, I get that it sets up where it's supposed to be two main characters, but, like, it doesn't have a lot of effect on the movie, you know? No, but I think it builds a sense of dread because that actress who sure, plays, like, the sure. lead psychic, there's the woman who... who who dies? Right. Her performance is 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 insanity. Right. And then there's like the older woman who was in a few other Fulci films when she's like giving the exposition about like the Book of Enoch and all that, and, and she's, she's looking directly at the camera. Dead at the camera. That's I, watching this movie the other night for the first time in a few years. I was like, oh, that's right. That's that's really that that really gets you going. Not like it get me fucking going, but it's like it really puts you in the zone. <laughs> no one was thinking that, by the way. Uh, just you didn't have to say that. No one was thinking. Oh, he know. means he got a boner. Yeah, I know. No I one know. was thinking. That. No, but like, you just she, when she's looking, she looks like haggard and tired, and she's giving this lecture about like everything that's at stake, and it's like, oh fuck, okay, this is where we're going with this. This is, this is what what's gonna happen, and then that woman just fucking scares herself to death. I that I, I think I think that's an essential part of this movie because it sort of it sort of puts you in the groove of where they're going with things. I mean, the rest of the movie is a goddamn nightmare fever dream, but at least the beginning is uh, it, it sets it up in a, in a in a in a semi coherent way where it introduces the the journalist, the psychic, the two really cool grave diggers who unfortunately aren't in the movie for the rest of the time. Uh, but no, I, I I think the the New York part of this movie is is absolutely essential to the rest of it. It's not that I do. I know people are going to be annoyed. I said it was superfluous. It, it's it's not <laughs> entirely superfluous. I just feel like you could make an argument that the movie is a little loose plot wise, partly because we spend a lot of time the the whole like she's dead, she's not dead. He's a reporter. He's like a sassy reporter. Like there's a lot of time that these characters that are supposedly important. Are just not in Dunwich, and meanwhile, Dunwich, they're it's just people are just going. I don't know. It's weird. It's things are. Ha- I don't know. They it's found s- what's her name dead. Smoke is coming out of the oh, walls, they f- and they there found the other. Everywhere. They found the other girl dead too. That's crazy. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. It's crazy. I just don't know. You know, and like they, there's not weirdly in the place where the stuff is happening. There's like a weird lack of tension for a while. Like people are pretty like. I don't know, it's weird stuff. I don't know for it's for windy. a while. There's like two dudes. I mean, what's crazy is the two dudes in the bar. The first time the mirror breaks, they're like, I don't know. I think I'm over Dunwich. Then they don't do anything. <laughs> and then way past the point where they should have left, the two guys who we were already introduced to as cowards are like, I, I don't know. Maybe I should leave. I don't know. It's like you already saw the wall crack for no reason. <laughs> there's, there's no earthquake in Dunwich. Yeah. Like, what's you know what I mean? But. Again, it sounded like I'm being critical, and I'm not. I don't mean to be. I just think like it's funny to me how much of the movie it's just stuff just happens, and it's not clear why. Again, not just like why things are happening, but why people are acting the way they're acting, and yet it's so good. It just kind of like just flows together for me of this off-jointed weird nightmare. You yeah, know? it's that's that's exactly how it feels to me. It feels like we're watching. I mean, it doesn't quite have that surrealness that, like I said earlier, like a David Lynch film has, but I think the the logic and the mechanics of it are similar yeah. to a nightmare. Like, uh, there's going to be a thing with shit on its hand and like spooky worms that it's going to put in your mouth. Like that's what a monster in a nightmare does. Right. And you know, there's the girl outside the window, and you know, the dead lady in the kitchen who then is in the living room. I mean, that happens. 
That just happens. That just that's you know the that, fact the fact when she bites the dude's hand is my favorite part because they don't show it. Yeah, they just don't show it, and then his hand just looks insane, <laughs> and then she still looks dead. Yeah, like they don't. They just, and for all you know, that's just an actual corpse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think uh, again, it, for people who are looking for a lot of uh, coherence, uh, a lot of like um, clear sort of tension, and not looking for eerie spooky i don't understand what's happening tension this movie not might not work for you but i think for folks who like a bit of atmosphere and they want some gore in with their atmosphere the best gore this is the best gore i agree it's it's certainly the best combination of the two right like i don't i can't think of a lot of other movies that have this level of goo but also are like weird nightmare atmosphere no i was gonna say the only gore the only other movie that has like this level of like well done gore where you're like fuck that is actually they're actually that woman is vomiting up her guts is when colonel rhodes gets killed in a day of the dead because you're like they actually tore him in apart for that like they killed that actor yeah they had to have he's dead he's He's dead dead. there's just this fucking where she does that it's like every single time i'm like it's so disgusting because it's like the choking sounds that she makes and the choking sounds that are in Motel Hell are the grossest sounds <laughs> in any horror sure. movie. Ugh. It's as much as I think the soundtrack doesn't work sometimes in this movie, I think the other sound design is actually pretty good. Yes. And it's sufficiently Ugh. gross. All right, so that was uh that was City of the Living Dead. So uh, I guess we'll take a quick break and when we come back, we're gonna talk about Beyond. We'll be right back. <laughs> You are Eliza, aren't you? Yes. My name is Emily. I've been looking for you. Go back to where you came from and hurry. Leave this place. Sixty years ago, everybody in this hotel disappeared. Every last person. A painter called Spike, who lived here, closeted in his room, had found a key. Excellent. You think you'll um, give it up now? I couldn't do that if I wanted to. Well, I won't give in.
else is here? There's nobody here. I can feel a presence. Somebody else is in here. Oh, some weird story that Emily told me about room 36. Emily? Who's Emily? The blind girl that lives in the old house by the crossroads. seven gateways to hell, because through that gateway, evil will invade the world. And we are back to talk about 1981's The Beyond. The Beyond. Uh, a young woman inherits a hotel in Louisiana where, following a series of supernatural quote-unquote accidents, she learns that the building was built over one of the entrances of hell. That happens. It's just a thing. It's just a thing. Uh... This movie has an amazing intro in which yep. uh, it does. one of the best lines ever in a horror movie, you ungodly warlock. <laughs> like, nobody <laughs> talks like that in 1927. Nope. Uh, and then they fucking, you know, in another amazing display of gore, crucify a painter. Yep. And then what, do they th- what is that shit they throw on him? I think it's acid, maybe. I'm maybe. not sure. <laughs> it's definitely acid because he fucking melts. But it, yeah. looked, it looked like hot milk. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'm not saying he knows what acid looks like. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 it doesn't make sense to me that it's anything but acid, but it, I see it doesn't look like acid. Yeah. No, this is a movie where if... if okay, so... The gore, yes, the gore sequences in City of the Living Dead are great. We're not denying that. This movie, I suspect, was a vehicle to see what Fulci could get away with when it comes to just horrible shit happening to the human body. And <laughs> there, there's a lot of scenes in this movie that I, the one thing I love that, that Fulci does is where uh, there'll be like a character and they'll get like stabbed and the, the wound will start bleeding and the camera pulls in really tight on the wound. And it's got this like, dirty almost like pornographic feel to it right like it's like it's like voyeuristic and like look it lingers over this there's so many times like that in this movie that it happens and i fucking love that yeah 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 yeah. and then the spiders so yeah you know here's okay so this is what i want to say about it and then i you know i don't yeah we can talk about other things too but i think the beyond is mostly a successful movie and since you brought up the spiders though I think the one part of the movie that now... So, uh, if it wasn't clear, I think uh, City of Living Dead is great, but there are large parts of it that you're kind of like, what the fuck was that? Like, it doesn't ruin the movie, but that was weird. That was a weird decision. Why are we doing this now? I don't feel that way about The Beyond. In fact, I think The Beyond almost entirely works. Yeah. And the one sequence where I go, what the fuck is happening right now, is the spider sequence. Because we're pretty much done with that dude. We don't need a longer, drawn-out death scene for that guy who we do already don't care about. And then, not only is it a long, drawn-out death scene, 
it's this weird scene where they're like, okay, get a close up with the real tarantula. Okay, now show the fake tarantula. Okay, more of the real tarantula. Okay, fake tarantula. And now he eats his face. He's eating the face. Yo, when it's eating his tongue, I could not tell the di- like. I could not tell the difference. I couldn't. I'm sorry. All I'm saying is, it's the one scene where a you don't need it for me. I don't need it. B the special effects are not great. Like you can tell when it doesn't work. And C spiders don't do that. These spiders are basically function like rats. Like they're eating him. Like the way that if if you've watched the other movie, you know there's a lot of we said this, but just to clarify, there's a lot of back of the head squishing. Yeah, And sometimes when there's back of the head squishing, the body falls, and then immediately rats, just knowing there's exposed brain, run out and eat the brain. <laughs> Happens a bunch of times in the movie. That's sort of what these spiders are doing. They're just eating his flesh. And I'm watching it going, do spiders do... I don't think spiders do what you think they do, man. It's so good, because there's the weird clanging metal sounds in the background. Yeah. I don't know. It, it just makes it feel like a, like a, like a nightmare. I, I mean, it doesn't ruin the movie or anything like that. All I'm saying is, unlike... The other film, which is a very effective film for what it is, but it's also kind of a mess. I kind of will defend most of the beyond as just like it hangs together. It's very effective. The the weird, scary scenes sort of make sense. There's a logic to it. I don't understand entirely why everything is happening, but there is a certain sense to what's happening. Even people's reactions I get. Like kind of makes sense to me, even when the dog attacks the the blind lady, it makes sense. Like the first time I saw it, I was kind of like, "Wait, what's happening?" And then this time, it was like, "Okay, I get it. I get what's going on now." I don't know. What Joe, jo, talk talk to us about your feelings about the Beyond and and you know how the Beyond is sort of played for you as like a Lucci fan. Yeah. So uh, you both know from you know starting this episode, I'm not very technologically advanced. Uh, <laughs> I'm always, behind, sure. I'm always behind the curve. Uh, sure. So in 2002, uh, we set up my first Amazon account so I can start going, start buying stuff to uh, get ready to go to college. And the very first purchase I ever, or the very first thing I ever bought off of Amazon was a DVD copy of The Beyond. Uh, also, I spent like $65 on it and my mom was fucking pissed. But uh, I still watched it and I fell in love with it immediately. I still think it holds up. I try to watch it uh, this season as much as I can. Uh, you know, like I try to watch it one, at least once a year. Uh, the one thing, you are saying the spider scene kind of makes you be like, hold up, what the fuck? Uh, the scene that does that for me is when that lady's standing in the middle of the road and uh, the person driving the car gets out and talks to her because there's no way I would get out of my car and fucking talk to somebody that <laughs> a looked like that and a was standing in front of me. I mean, I would just keep driving. I'd run them over and, and you know, hope for the best. <laughs> that's okay. That's fair. <laughs> but that scene is also visually imp- It's just like it is. It's great. Did you did you see the the picture that that they they took while making that a Fulci? Yeah, yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Um, well, I have that. The Mondo released a, a limited of the Beyond soundtrack, and it has that that picture of her on the front, and then on the back is the picture of him on the road. Mm. And it's very good. What I, is better, the book Ivan or the band Ivan that Phil and Semmel had with uh, the guys from Dark Throne and Killjoy? Probably the band. Because I think the, I'm going to agree. Yeah. Because the book is... Um, I mean, there's no actual printed book of that 
You know, it's just a book they talk about a lot in, 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 in Lovecraft and all that, but it's mostly just from what I, I forget which story it was in in Lovecraft, but I think it was, uh, I don't even know if it was, if, if it was in his works or like his weird, like a Frank Belk, not long story. But yeah, the book, it's just, it, it's, it's about a fucking wizard in Greenland who had, who had a crystal ball and summoned the archaic first living thing on the, on, on earth that he eventually turned into that, uh, was described grossly enough as yeasty, which makes my fucking stomach turn. <laughs> It's a great name, to be honest. It is, yeah. Um, I, I think the the one thing that sticks about sticks out about this movie uh, that sets it apart from other Fulci movies is that a lot of times in Fulci movies, something will happen in the beginning that doesn't really tie in. It, the the movie just moves on from that. Yes. Uh, in this one, there's like the painting that the the, the 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 painter's doing in the beginning, and in the end, there's that really just uh, just weird dreamscape that they end up in. And they realize that they're in the painting now. And I think that's like unique in in Fulci films because it doesn't really again his movies aren't known for tying in with stuff that happens early on in the movie and this one it's like oh no there's actually like that's what they're they're now stuck in this guy's hellish painting yeah I mean I think you could make an argument that maybe New York Ripper is Fulci's most Fulci movie in a way if you take like a broader view of his career because it combines his horror films with his more giallo films yes however if you're thinking about fulci the like horror nightmare scape person the beyond to me is the most fulci absolutely it has the most of his weird sort of reality bending you know it's not quite as good as uh the the laser bow and arrow of conquest but (laughs) it still is its own sort of thing you know i do like the uh the end of this one um the actual scene with the zombies in the hospital Sure. I think that's where this movie might be at, it, at at its strongest. Yeah? Yeah, just because it's the rest of the movie is is too it's too weird to to have like a palpable sense of fear because you're just like okay, this is like unsettling and and and, and strange, but when you're in a hospital and there's fucking a horde of zombies attacking you, like that's that's real fear. Not when like, oh, I'm in a flooded basement and a goblin arm reaches out of the wall to claw my eyes out. Like that's just I don't know. I, I, I that's pretty I, scary. I, I mean, yeah. it sucks. It's, it's it that would suck a lot if that happened to me. But you're, you're, just as that uh, here, like, well, if it's not an alien arm, I don't see what's so frightening. Whatever, about man. It. Whatever. <laughs> um, I, 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 I actually think for me, I mean, I think there's a lot of things that are pretty effective when she's in the house with all the dead when the when the blind woman is in the house with all the dead oh and yes. she's like i don't want you know i will i won't go back i don't want to go back you know this idea that she's like somehow escaped from hell and she doesn't want to go back there that seems pretty intense and especially when a she sends the dog to fight for her you know that's a bad idea like, yes I, you know, I get that that's a German Shepherd, but come on, these are denizens of hell. Let's just deal with that. Maybe the dog is an angelic dog. Well, it wasn't that angelic because it then ripped her fucking throat out. Yeah, because it died. <laughs> and this is the theme in the movie, right? Every person, and this is what to me more than the concept of a gate of hell. This is what connects it to the other movie even more. Is like each of the people who die in in um, City of the Living Dead, they come back. In this movie. It's the same thing that there's this series of dead people who then come back in a, by the way, horrible like the the makeup on these undead denizens of hell is like real upsetting. 
Yo, the guy, who is it? It's the plumber who gets his eyes pulled out. Yeah. His makeup, when he comes back, there's something about that that reminds me of something I can't quite put my finger on. Yeah. But it's so fucking unsettling. It's a ca- a, a, is it a caveman? He looks kind of like a Cro-Magnon. I was going to say, he looks like the guy in Toxic Avenger who gets his head crushed by the weights. Sure. And yeah. it's just like his, like, and he's like, uh, it just, just, I don't know. But I think for me, the the most effective part of the movie, or at least the movie that the part of the movie that sticks with me the most, is actually the end when they end up, you know, going through the gate yeah. to hell, and they're in this vast, empty wasteland. It's so sad. It's disheartening. It's so it's such a bleak ending to a movie like this. It just really sticks with me. Yeah. I was going to say the same thing. Like, I absolutely love this ending, and we used the term fever dream before. And, like, yeah. just the way that whole landscape looks, it feels like, you know, you're in a fever dream, and it just sticks with you. Yeah, it's it's got this, like, strangely... Uh, it's like that minimalist, just hellish, almost Frazetta. Like, it looks like the landscape out of a Frank Frazetta painting. Uh, and it, it, it just... It, in a movie that's that that is filled with lots of shockingly scary things, it's a very simply and subtle scary thing. Is like sure. how they ended up there. Like, oh fuck, they're in this like this just alien landscape that it just sucks. And I think that's sort of where I think that's the brilliance of Fulci that people don't take seriously to some extent. Because I mean, to be fair, he had he did. If you take the full career. He made his own fair chunk of bad movies. Yes. You know, that at some point, whether it was the lack of a good collaborator, whether it was later in his life when he was struggling with diabetes and really was sick a lot, whatever it was, he made his own fair share of, like, movies that don't quite work. Uh, That being said, he also made some really brilliant films. And I think for me... Part of what this film does that his best movies do is combine these things that feel very separate right now. Like if you were telling me about a newer horror movie and you're like, you know, it's filled with lots of melting faces and undead zombies. I'm picturing like a real gore-tastic gore fest. But then if you're like, well, it's got these like real atmospheric parts and haunting and, you know, just this unbelievably uh, orchestrated soundtrack by like a true, you know, sort of musical genius that like, kind of works in. Then I'm thinking of a whole other kind of movie. Like The Nun. Uh, and, and what Fulci does is create this uh, not quite abstract, but very interpretive, very almost dream language film that then has some really gooey, gooey bits. And, and that's <laughs> is like... That a te- is that a technical term? Yeah. I mean, it, it's... it's, it's th- this is... A very moist film. Don't say <laughs> that. I'm just saying it's not quite as gooey and moist as a Cronenberg film. Oh, you know, we're not talking about society where literally everything looks like it's made of water. Of cum. Yeah. But it is a film that like is unafraid to have meltiness and bloodiness. Uh, and it doesn't disrupt the artful, very measured uh, direction. Now... I think someone might who doesn't love this film might come at all three of us and say, but does the script make sense? Oh, fuck that person. And I will admit, not everything in the script makes sense, but I'm already primed for that. I'm already ready for that. Especially if you watched these movies in order, 
this is like the bright point, right? Yeah. Script wise, because the script for House by the Cemetery is just a that's just a nonsense piece of nonsense uh, on that movie. Vaguely anti Semitic as well. <laughs> yes, also vaguely anti Semitic. You know who would like seriously badmouth this movie for for having like a weak script, and I'm saying this completely seriously. Yeah. Fucking Chris Reject. Yeah. Because that like sticks with him. Is he he gets like upset about like movies with like bad scripts. Right, 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 like, right. Who right. the fuck you? See, I <laughs> I'm all for that in the sense of the kind of movie we're talking about. Yeah. But I just don't think the beyond needs snappy dialogue. No. And no. I don't think it needs Lots of subtext. <laughs> this movie didn't need to be in English for me to enjoy. Yeah, it. sure. I agree. Like, this is a mo- like th- this movie could have been in a- in Italian. I'd have been like, I-, I fine, cool. I mean, to be fair, knowing the way that Fulci filmed this film, probably wasn't Italian for the number of people who made it, right? Yeah, because a lot of the uh, dialogue was done later. So who knows what people were doing on the set? Mo- half the people might have just been making mouth movements. They don't even know what they're going to be saying later. You know. <laughs> True, true. So, uh, anything else to say about uh, The Beyond? I think we... Joe, you got anything else for us? Uh, Do you rank The Beyond above Zombie? I think this... So, this is a new development, but I think I do. Uh, Formerly, I was just like, it's Zombie all the way. Uh, You know, Fulci's great. I like a lot of his movies, but Zombie's like uh, my favorite zombie movie. So, it's the best. Now, some years later, I might go with The Beyond as my favorite. I watched Zombie not too long ago with my grandfather. Yeah. And he loved it. And I, it's it's fun. But there's just something about this movie. It has something, like some sort of unquantifiable, just something to it. Sure. That Zombie doesn't have. I don't know if it's... If it's uh, if it's just maybe he had perfected what he was trying to say with this movie, but this movie has something that Zombie doesn't have, especially I think with that ending, because um, I know like the ending of Zombie with the zombies advancing on the bridge is like yeah that's scary, but this ending, the last shot in this end of this movie has a has something to it that nothing nothing in Zombie comes close to. Yeah, I like the term bleak. I think that Liam had that's, said uh, it's the so best way perfect. to describe it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, obviously, the Beyond would be number one. How do you rank the other two in the uh, Gates of Hell trilogy? I would say City of the Living Dead and then House by the Cemetery. I love House by the Cemetery in a lot of ways, but I just think that if it wasn't for some of the most effective aspects of City of the Living Dead, I would like House by the Cemetery more because it makes more sense. But nothing in House by the Cemetery is as effective as the most effective parts of city of the living dead yes true Uh, and i just feel like honestly the whole even uh, again even putting it into the gates of hell trilogy is just a stretch for me it doesn't actually fit with the other films i just think uh a better if someone was like i want to do like three fulci films to understand fulci i'm taking house by the cemetery out i'm putting zombie in that's just how it goes i'm gonna do these two movies and zombie as your introduction to Fulci. And then if, if that all works, then we'll go back to the more like gritty Giallo stuff, you know, where we're doing don't torture duckling and woman lizard skin and, and those films, you know? Yeah. 
My my uh my freshman year of college, I ro- I was roommates with or I wasn't roommates with Paul, but I, I went to college with Paul, and he was always fucking sleeping in my room because he's a fucking asshole, mo- mooching off all my stuff. Dude, off topic, but one time I woke up, it was like five thirty in the morning, and Paul was still sitting on my couch breeding chocobos in Final Fantasy VII, eating all our fucking food. I'm like, your room is like literally down the hall. Just go down there. But anyway, uh, we we put on the Beyond and. There was this dude who did not like horror, did not care for the genre at all, and was already, you know, like, ready to trash it. He's like, oh, this looks fucking stupid. The movie plays out. He sits there, like, wide-eyed, mouth open the whole time, and as soon as the, the credits start rolling, he just looks at us and goes, man, I think I like that. And then he got up and walked to his, to his room. But uh, something about it just, like, resonated with him, and he talked about it for, like, the entire rest of the year. That's how crazy awesome. this movie was. So Yeah. I love I love when there's experiences like that with people. Like I I, say, I was I've been lucky enough now to see people seeing the thing for the first time without knowing what it was about, and just it feels like I'm seeing that movie again for the first time. Like it, there's just it's just such a pure joyous feeling when I when I ruin someone's life like that. <laughs> <laughs> is the Beyond better? Speaking of Italian movies, is the Beyond better than uh, Bruno Maddy's Rats? Yes. I'm going to say no because, because rats, there's, though. there's no, there's no uh, human rat face at the end. Of I the just... I... Oh, but, okay, let's, let's really do an Italian check, though. Is Fulci your maestro more than Argento? Yes. For me, yes. Hmm. Uh, what do you think, Joe? For me, no. I think I would go with Argento. And then, let me complicate this even more, throw in Bava. Uh, I'm of course referring to Lamberto Bava because neither one of you are classy enough to have Mario Bava opinions. I was only thinking of Mario. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just messing with Justin because I know I'm a Lamberto Bava apologist. I mean, you don't have to apologize for the for demons. I, that's it. There, that is that, that's I, the whole philosophy. As far I, as I'm concerned, I literally completely blanked on demons too for a second. Like that's how bad that movie is. I was like, I know it exists. We did an episode on it, but I don't remember I don't, anything about it. I don't it. hate it. I don't hate it. But it is, you know, okay, so then let's say you give him Demons and Demons 2. That's still two movies compared to Mario Bava. No, he also has um, the shark movie. Which one? Lamberto Bava has a movie. Not a shark. It's about like a killer fish. Yeah, but is it good? That's what I'm saying. Probably. <laughs> I mean, it's fun. It's probably fun. That's, that's what you want. I mean... Mar- I, I would argue that Mario Bava's just three of his movies defined horror till now. Yeah. Let alone the I think eight or so movies he made that are like legit amazing. Okay. So what I just feel bad for Liberto. <sighs> he did it to himself. No, no love for uh, Diodato. So that's I thought we were gonna go with with I was gonna bring him up next. Uh, you know, there's some stuff. What do you, Joe, uh, you, you give me a look, Justin? Uh, can you mean convicted murder, Rogerio Diodato? <laughs> <laughs> Joe, uh, Joe, I mean, what for you? Who is who is? What, obviously, you went with Argento. Overall, who for you is like the Italian, the Italian uh, maestro? Uh it's Argento followed by Fulci. All right, all right. I'm going with Fulci. I mean, I could, I could honestly easily be persuaded. I just. I think Suspiria trumps all, and then you have you throw in uh, Deep Red, Tenebre. I mean, they just stack a little bit better for me. I think if I'm talking just personally, I might 
say Argento. However, if I'm talking long-term impact, I'm probably going to actually say Mario Bava just because I think his movies were so important. But I also think of him as a different generation. If we're speaking... Well, if I'm thinking of like a specific generation of filmmaker, it's it's probably Argento over Fulci, but you know it's hard to say one way or the other. Uh, and then all to me, all those other guys are really fun, but no one really, no one out there is really like. I like Matei more than Argento. I don't think. <laughs> there's some asshole out there that thinks. I that guarantee there's someone out there who's like Night of a Thousand uh, Cats is so much better than anything. <laughs> okay, first of all, don't disrespect Night of a Thousand. I'm cats. not disrespecting Night of a Thousand okay. Cats, but it's not nearly as good as anything, anything Fulci did. Oh, have you sat through the uh, uh, Cat in the Brain movie? I would argue Night of a Thousand Cats is far superior to a Cat in the Brain. I think I agree with you. <laughs> have you ever watched a Cat that. in the Brain? It's like. Seriously painful. Yeah. yeah, and I mean, Fulci does have the Donald Duck killer in uh, the New York Ripper. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> he. Uh, uh, I also. Uh, I made a joke earlier about like Umberto Lenzi, but he he's also got some. He's sure he's got you know Ghost House, uh, Nightmare City has grown on me, uh, and then what was the fucking one? Was it Cannibal for Ox? Cannibal, yeah, and then uh, Black Demons, which is a deeply problematic film but is still it's a fun watch look do you guys remember the uh, deep red alone blows all that out of the water okay sorry go ahead (laughs) i do agree but uh do you guys remember the vhs box for cannibal for is it cannibal for for ox whatever it is do you remember how how fucking big the vhs box was with all the warnings all over it yeah Mm -hmm. that that was everything. Back they in the really day. wanted you to know that you weren't supposed to be watching it. Yeah, and every like for years, I'd be like, I cannot wait to get my hands on this. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that's everything. Yeah. Joe, thank you so much for doing this for us. I, this is a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Uh, thank you guys for having me. Had a yeah. Blast. This was this was really cool. I'm glad I'm glad we could start off our our spooky October season having you on here. Yeah, um, it's a pleasure. If uh, if anyone wants to follow you on Instagram or anything like that, like if you want anyone to find you, where where could they find information about uh, B sides with? Well, actually, first tell us about B sides with Boog. I feel like we sh- we should have uh, hyped that in the beginning. Yeah. Uh, so after the horror show ended, uh, I'm just very passionate about music. Uh, I have no rights to any of these songs that I play, so it's just pirate radio. I was I was gonna uh, actually be on your network, and then you know my son came and, and fucked everything up, but. Uh, it's still know. possible, man. <laughs> still, still possible. It's never, it's never too late. Yeah, why? Never why not? Late. You have to do all the work. I don't care. Let's do it. <laughs> all right, let's do it. Fuck it. I'll say it right now. We'll yeah, let's do it. I'm in. It. Yeah, why not? All right. Done. Sold. You won't get fucked for uh, copyright infringement. No, who can? Bro, I mean, I don't care on. about that. <laughs> no, I'm not worried about. I mean, we uh, uh, Cinepunks, we steal the first song for every episode. It's fine. I don't care. <laughs> no, I literally <laughs> don't care. <laughs> This show is the most bootlegged fucking thing. It's the most illegal thing I could be doing. Uh, I literally, and it's also the most laziest because I literally just sit in front of my computer, uh, hit play, and <laughs> then record the audio that comes out of there. Like I can't even be bothered to you know splice the MP3 for the song. I, I literally, literally just rip it from my computer. So sure, sure, uh, sure. Yeah, listen. <laughs> Sounds great, right? <laughs> So yeah, where where could they? they oh yeah, can you fi- can find me. Yeah, you can find me at uh, Boognish nineteen eighty five um, on Instagram, and I honestly am blanking on what is Boog's B side. B O O G S B side on Instagram. Excellent, excellent. 
for, like we said earlier, this was we're doing Cineween right now. So if you guys want to follow me at RepairmanXJack on Instagram, I post pictures of my dog and cool shit like that. Uh, Liam, I don't know what he does. And then you can follow The Harbiz, The Har Business at The Harbiz666 on all social media platforms. Um, if you guys are going to listen to us on iTunes, just remember to rate, review, subscribe, and download, download, download. Yo, post that uh, Prince video for the, for the new followers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely. The fucking, it's the fucking goat. It's, it's the greatest. That thing. fucking video that was made like literally like a month after I was went through this fucking cataclysmic breakup, and I did that to sort of like purge myself of feelings. And I was like, I hope Ashley fucking sees this, so she knows what she's missing out on. And you know, it's just she didn't. But whatever, glory was 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 born from it. But I will definitely fucking post that. Dude, I watched that. I know I'm like dragging on your show, but uh, I watched that and then I literally laughed for hours, like to the point where <laughs> I was I was driving to record an episode of the horror show the first time I saw that, and I almost crashed into a tree because I, I just kept thinking about you calling that fucking bird with tits in his face a fucking poser. <laughs> yeah, those those are those are plates my grandfather has in his bathroom that have like mystified me since I was a child. It's fucking Good great. Stuff. Good stuff. So, uh, yeah, thanks again for listening. Joe, thanks again for being on here. And uh, until next time, fuck Victor Salva. Right in his yes. face. Peace. <laughs> this October, the Cinebongs Podcast Group invites you to our annual celebration of all things spooky. Cineween. From October 1st to October 31st, Cinebox.com is your home for Halloween scares and fall phobias. New writing, special podcast episodes, Patreon-exclusive content, all to make you feel seasonally creepy. 